Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop Salsa. I am your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy, Ernesto. Uh, Pop Salsa is another entertainment podcast, but uh, with my friend and I, Ernie, we just talk about uh, the weekly news that's entertainment and we break it down as best we can. Hopefully we provide a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, So let's get into it. So, uh, it's... There hasn't really been a lot of news coming out, right? The last couple couple of weeks. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like because the year is winding down that um, everything seems to be following suit. So there's some stories, some still fallout, or I guess you could say that um, since the fallout from the Discovery Warner uh, merger is starting to die down now. Now they can start, you know, playing, making their moves and stuff like that, putting people in in positions of power. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, some trailers were released, which is cool. Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania that was uh, finally released. Was that the move? The the name of the movie all along? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah it was. It's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when it was announced. I was like, oh, that's a that's an interesting name. Yeah, because was it the, the Multiverse of Madness? There you go. That's the one. Yeah, that was, was the like, Doctor feel, Strange one, right? Yeah, I feel like Quantumania of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't um, that wasn't it. But interesting news: Guy Ritchie, one of my favorite directors. Do <laughs> uh, you no? Do you start with this one? <laughs> well, it's like it, it's fresh on the it's fresh on the. Um, on our minds, we we're just talking about this before we started recording. Right, right. And uh, it came out yesterday, last night. I was uh, laying in bed with my girlfriend, and she's like, "Oh, do you know this is happening?" It's like, "No." All right, so thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for the heads up. But uh, yeah, Guy Ritchie is directing a World War II film. So two things. Oh, with starring Henry Cavill. So that's three things. Oh that's yeah, right, right up our alley. Oh yeah, <laughs> and. Um, Supposedly, the story is that they're going to. It's centered around a ungentlemanly. Com- what I think it's the commandos. <laughs> it doesn't right. really specifically say, but it's like, oh, they're they're using tactics that aren't really considered all that you know for the time, like considered war friendly. Right. Yeah. Which makes me which makes me believe commandos. Yeah, I, I mean, it has to be right because the whole title. Or, or, just images of British dudes with handlebar mustaches and the uh, stens walking up to a coast to sabotage like an, an installment or German emplacement or something like that, you know? Exactly. Like, um, I know uh, my friend Ernie here is a little bit of a stickler for the facts <laughs> and histo- for the historical facts, so he's a little tentative. Yeah, it's uh, I love Guy Ritchie. It's not I'm not criticizing the director or his style of directing and his narratives, but um, when it comes to World War Two, like Joel said, I do kind of like it being a little not only in history but a little bit more serious because of the content. Like the only thing I uh, I didn't uh, think was serious was like Jojo Rabbit, and that's because the whole movie was structured around that, like a satire of Nazism. But yeah. when it comes to this, and it's Guy Ritchie, who's, you know, famous for, uh, I want to say, vault films, right? Kind of like a plan getting together kind of deal, like the 18. 
Yeah, they're like British gangster films. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and it's like they're fun. They're 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 really fun. So when and you enter World War Two into the equation, I'm a little uh, hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could see where like analyzing it the through the way you're you're doing it, you can seem a little like tentative about the the, the situation, but like. Look at Guy Ritchie's films. You know, you got Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, Snatch, The Gentleman, mm-hmm. the Robin gentleman, Hood. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like very, yeah, they have their jokes and stuff like that. They're very British comedy yeah. heavy influence, but they're still really good entertaining films, which yeah. is yeah, you that's, know, what I'm banking on. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. Like, just The Gentleman is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah but i i'm just you know world war ii stuff so i'm i'm ready to be surprised on this hits theaters or theaters right or yeah theaters. oh yeah yeah didn't say like exclusive to hbo max or anything like that but yeah theaters cool. yeah it's, it's an interesting um obviously it's an interesting topic for us and and for me any movie that continues to like show a different aspect of 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 that era you know, something that we haven't seen. I'm all for. Like, I'm hoping... Like, we've seen... How, how many fucking times have we seen, you know, Battle of the Bulge or... You know, like, the the big important day, D-Day. You know, right. big, the big event of the war. And like, right. what I want to see is um, some little-known exploits or little-known missions that they, they pulled off to sabotage the Nazis, you know? Yeah, like, you're saying Norway... Oh, Norway, right? Yeah, you're seeing yeah, Norway, Norway, and it's something like, "Wow, I that's never referenced in any <laughs> in any <laughs> exactly. World War II stuff." So I was surprised when you brought that up. I was like, "Oh, that would be cool to uh, see." It's even more hilarious. Just, I I know at the time it wasn't, but just you know, soldiers on skis evading Nazi patrols or German patrols. Just <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's what they had to do, right? In Norway, yeah, because of the terrain, they have to use skis. the terrain. Yeah, stuff like that, which is interesting because, like, there are, are some several key uh, missions that were um, that happened in Norway, you know, during the Nazi occupation of Norway. Like, they had to sink the one of the two uh, battleships that Germany had during the war, the Bismarck. Right. Was the it the biggest, Bismarck? right? Was it the biggest one? Yeah, I think one? it was the biggest one at the time, you know, like, well, it was... Them? For, well, no, and just in general, like you know, like the Nazis, they went, they were either go big or go home. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it get sunk in port? Or I, I yeah, don't... it was in it was in a fjord. Yeah, it wasn't like, even just... used. <laughs> no, it was like it, they they christened the ship, and then like three months later, they sank it. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be like an interesting way to start off the the film, you know, like. They're going to to sink this, you know, super dangerous or the only real threat to the 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 British, uh, the Royal Navy would be the Bismarck. And what the fuck? It was the Bismarck. There was two. I know. I was. I always blank on the second one. It's the Bismarck <laughs> it's, and the. It's not the Kaiser Wilhelm or something like that, is it? <laughs> no, but it's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's something around <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, so they had to go sink that, and and the, another one, another thing that they had to do was that um, the Nazis were, you know, well underway on, on creating an an atomic weapon. You know, they had their own atomic program and stuff like that. And thankfully. Uh, the war ended before they they got they finished the bomb because or else who knows what the fuck would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a to to make a bomb. There you need obviously you need different components: uranium, plutonium, depending on what you want to do. But 
you, you also need something called heavy water. And right. uh, there was a, a heavy water manufacturing plant in Norway. So the, the commandos went in and sabotaged it so that to make sure that the Nazis didn't get their hands on the weapon, you know? Yeah, did you did they know at the time that the heavy water at uh, the the British? To uh, I'm sure it, they had. I mean? I'm sure they had. You know, like because why else would you want to um, blow that that factory up? You know. Okay. Because I, I felt that the the whole nuclear you know Project Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, the Manhattan Project, Project Manhattan, it's like a Broadway <laughs> show. But uh, I thought that was very under the wraps, you know. No one knew what was going on, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, I mean, because nuclear they, tech, they, tech and all that. Yeah, they, they, they. We always want to believe that. Yeah. You know, the government secrets are are kept secret as much as best they can, you know. But what's crazy is that fucking Stalin knew about the that about the Manhattan Project before Truman did. So. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's there's that. Yeah. But yeah, Guy Ritchie, I'm always in favor. Henry Cavill, always in favor. World War Two. I mean, it's, it's kind always of fucked. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> fucked up to say always in favor, but it's always an interesting topic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, for my we're, tank film though. That's uh, accurate. Fury. That's oh. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but what would be a uh, an interesting tank battle like the the Battle of Kursk? Uh, was it right? Yeah, was, the, the largest the, tank the largest, battle. Or? Yeah, exactly yeah. that one. That that would be that would be crazy as hell. It would be cool to see. Uh, uh, I would like it to be more focused. Uh, if say you have two groups, right? You have mm-hmm. the German side and the American side, and then the American side, uh, they like they. See well, they it would they, be they the Russian from, side. Well, no, not curse. Just another oh, narrative. Just but, in general. Yeah, just in general. So a, a two side kind of story. It would be uh, interesting. Would uh-huh. be Battle of North Africa. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Uh, with uh, the Rommels, a uh, Rommels, Rommel the Rommel. and um, um, Montgomery, Montgomery, right, uh, and then the introduction. Of, uh, yeah, like the Shermans and stuff like that, because they had yeah. the Lees. Yeah, they had yeah. the Lees, but the Lees weren't as effective from as the Shermans. I, w- I would have liked to see the Firefly uh, be introduced or the Easy Eight. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, because like those were made to hunt tigers, and it would be cool to see that kind of uh, that turning point kind of. Thing. Yeah, like you know, typically considered that the tiger is the most feared tank, right? Like because it's super heavy fucking armored yeah very difficult to blow up and it has this essentially like a killer tank weapon yeah turret on it nobody could penetrate uh, nothing well nothing in the allies repertoire could uh could penetrate the armor yeah like what's that saying that said that the you know a german tank was was worth um four american tanks yeah but the problem was but the problem (laughs) uh, but but the problem was that the Americans had five. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. The, yeah. the Tiger was like the Mercedes of tanks at the time, and it's cool. It's nice to look at, but the parts are really, really difficult to come by. Yeah, and by the time the tank, the Tiger started rolling out, like the the Nazis were already on their like backpedaling from Operation Barbarossa and like all this crazy shit. So they their resources to build. Super fortified tanks were. Yeah, they wanted probably... to build more, like a Panther and like a Tiger too. They wanted to build the mouse. Remember the mouse, right? And like only three. Or was it three or two? Two, two. two ever was it existed. two? And one was actually built, and one was still like in in pieces. Or something. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like the one that they built, they turned it on, it rolled for like 10 feet, and then it broke because it was so heavy. <laughs> it is so heavy, <laughs> right? So it's just. Uh, I, would, I would love to see. I'll see. I would love to see Guy Ritchie do a tank film, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Because just the humor in it. Like, yeah. like you said, your little quote reminds me of like just a comedic moment like how many tanks do we have we have five more i think <laughs> and yeah it, it'll be interesting um some more news where are you i know like you said you're not not necessarily not that into but just like horror really isn't your thing yeah like, you've played you played horror video games and that's <laughs> the one that was your fucking chasing the dragon and stuff like that so the movies are basically fall flat for you yeah i i it's not that i've watched the classics you know friday uh, nightmare on elm street and all that uh halloween but uh, being scared nowadays I, i like to be like actually scared you know like with the environment the sound the acting maybe to some extent but nowadays if they feel like they're just uh jump scares you know and you can feel it coming with the music yeah i hate that i hate being like just startled it's the equivalent of someone hiding in the dark when you're in the parking lot and like someone jumping out and screaming at you going boo yeah yeah it's annoying as hell yeah it's uh i, I agree with you 100 you know like i don't know i guess because of the success with uh, paranormal activity that there's been like this sudden influx or acceptance of the jump scare as a legitimate yeah. scare yeah and you know, for true OGs, like, it's not, you know, you want, the, like you said, the music, the environment, the acting. Have it be more like a psychological right. mindfuck than just like a boo behind the corner, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. So, where do you fall on uh, Friday the 13th? Uh, I, I feel, I feel like it's a classic that you can't follow up on. Yeah, it's very, like, moment of in time. Right, right. There is something like I was looking at the um, the release dates for all the Friday the Thirteenth films, and it's insane. Like, let me let me lay it down for you. All right, Friday the Thirteenth. The Take first one came out in nineteen eighty. Oh God. The second one. Nineteen eighty. Right. Okay. The second one came out in nineteen eighty one. The third one came oh. out in eighty in eighty two. Whoa! Wait, dude. That's the fourth the- one came out in eighty four. The fifth one came out in 85, and the sixth one came out in 86. Oh my god, that production schedule. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. The first couple, okay, so, you know, productions nowadays, they're usually two years, two, three, right? Yeah, roughly two two and and a half, three years, yeah. Two and a half, and that's just to compensate for time and marketing and all the stuff, blah, 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 all the film talk. Yeah, special effects and all that Yeah, special effect, post, the blah, blah, blah. But like to have it back to back a year is insane. Were they were were they filming like okay we're doing the second one right now or something like that? <laughs> they must have because like what's your your turnaround? Because like granted, it's not like the more the most complex film to like edit or anything like that. Structure right. story wise, it isn't really all that innovating, and it's just the guy following you around. You know, like it's it's Halloween basically, which is with a different mask, right? So, but still, you know, less than what six months to shoot. Yeah, it's in the it's insane. And I was thinking, like, because there are what three, six, twelve, like thirteen or so Friday the Thirteenth films. Yeah, 
He goes to space. He he fights <laughs> he, he Jason fights, and Freddy Krueger. I mean, right, yeah, like, I remember that one. He fights the he escapes hell. <laughs> yeah, he escapes hell. So there, what the fuck? His um, David Buckner, producer, mm-hmm. writer. Um, he's uh, directed. He you know he did uh, VHS. He recently did the um, the new fuck uh, Hellraiser film, which is which is pretty good. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, they asked him about you know rebooting Friday the Thirteenth, and he's like, kind of don't see where this fits, you know? Because and, yeah. and like you said, it's it it, it it's a, it's a film that because it's so much of its time, it's so much of that era in the eighties, you know, it's this classic slasher film. How is that going to be able to be translated today? Yeah, it's it's hard because wasn't there one where it's uh, Fred not Freddy's uh, Jason's powers are very magical based, and then another sure? one where they uh, I mean like he, he doesn't die right and he comes back no. like that whole that whole dealio and but the second one or at least the the I don't know the reboot oh no I'm thinking of Halloween sorry yeah. I'm thinking of Halloween yeah it's like he he gets shot multiple times but he's always back and then the next one they kind of they try to explain it with his backstory kind of thing, trying to look for a piece to fit, and then that didn't yeah. pan out that much. So with Jason, I could just imagine, right? There's not really, it's the same It's the same canvas. fucking character. Yeah, it's the same character. Yeah. So I could just, how do you, especially nowadays with kids and their technologies, and a lot of it is, it's like tech-based stuff. So you can't really explain away. Yeah, he uh, he comes back, but they shot him. Oh no, he just—that's the thing. He comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what was interesting about like the first two or three, I think it is, was like the first one. Jason isn't the killer, right? It's his mom. Yeah, and then the spoilers. second one. <laughs> I mean, it's a fucking came out forty years ago. But okay, um, and then the second one, he doesn't have his his typical like characteristic. Uh, hockey mask. He has a, a burlap sack with the hole in, sack with the hole in it, so you right. can see. Right. And then once he gets the the hockey mask, then it just you know whatever shaky grounds it was on, it just falls apart. Yeah. Because they like like the schedule, the production schedule, they just beat the shit out of this franchise to hell. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> just a year. Like even Star Wars took what three years in between, like New Hope, for example. 19, yeah, was, uh, was New Hope was 1977. Yeah, yeah, then, 77, and then 82. Uh, I want to say 80? 80. 80? Yeah. And then 84, right? Was yeah. Return? Like, like every three Revenge. years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it became two years with the new, with the prequels and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's enough time to, you know, iron out the narrative and fix some stuff, but just rapid fire year after year. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, they kind of shot him like um, they shot Infinity War and uh, Endgame back-to-back, nonstop. <laughs> yeah, it's something like Cameron did with Avatar. Like, all right, yeah. we're making the second one, third one, fourth one, and fifth. Was it, was it the fifth one? I think there's a... He wants to do, like, seven of them. There's seven, but there's one there they filmed three movies back-to-back or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like... At least that was the plan, you know. He was, uh, he said he wanted to film two, three, four, five, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, five, right? like, oh, like back to back, nonstop. Why? So you have Avatar every year. Yeah, exactly. I don't, 
Yeah, it's just Fucking. a nightmare. So back to Friday, I don't see. Uh, I don't. I don't see it right. I, I. I. Like you said, I'm not really a horror aficionado kind of person, so I don't see Jason becoming a more modern mainstay character. But you said Hellraiser did well, right? So I, I, yeah, so everything I've heard is that it's been being received well. You know, obviously, like the backlash from the trailer when it dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fanboys out there were bitching, but <laughs> now that the film film came out, they're it, you know it legit surprised me. It was I was, it was a lot more entertaining than uh, that I thought it would be. Right. So that worked. So maybe where do you see Friday? How how could Friday come back? <sighs> See, that's the thing. I, I kind of agree with you. It's like, where I don't know if it can. You, you know, there, the article yeah. that, um, that you posted suggests that they want to go with the found footage angle. Mm-hmm. But that's also been beat to shit, you know? Right. There's like eight, eight uh, Fucking paranormal, paranormal activities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the Blair Witch Project, the one that came out in 99, right, back the in the 90s. That you defined know? the genre. Exactly. That one is essentially a masterpiece in in that style of filmmaking you know and then uh, a couple years ago i i saw the reboot that came out i want to say like 2016 or so relatively within like the the last five or, or ten years and they kind of incorporated both you know the found footage and standard filmmaking that's weird which was it, it yeah it was because it didn't really work mm-hmm. but i feel like it, it didn't really work because of the story right I see. So maybe if they find like some sort of a uh, blend to both. Would you want Friday the Thirteenth to be a fun footage? Do you think that would be, give more? It does give more control, as in the horror aspect. But then again, you have those jump scare moments that the industry can't help but have. Yeah, that's that's the only thing that's um that's alarming me is is that. Because of the found like the found footage angle, it's very susceptible to jump scares. Right. So yeah, I I would just say just leave this one alone, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. Like like you said, it was of its time, and a lot of it's like Star Wars as well, right? Mm-hmm. When Star Wars came out, it was among the first major sci space opera. I was gonna say sci fi, but space opera films. Yeah, if not only one of the space opera films when it came out, but now there's so many sci fi films, TV shows, comics, music that another Star Wars can't do that much impact as it did. No, it's it's not like it's still a a, a cultural phenomena, but because of its reputation. Right. Not because it's bringing anything new to the table. Exactly. So when it comes to Friday and you have all the other all these other uh jump scare focused uh horror <laughs> movies you if the studio would have to see what's cool in horror and apply that yeah which would be unfortunate because fuck the jump scare yeah i hate that i watched smile uh, oh you and, did yeah i did because I, I i did not because i wanted to like yeah i want to watch smile i had like a, a friend who came over and he has because uh, he was from san francisco so we didn't have anything to do so we watched smile <laughs> and uh yeah i, I liked it actually Really, it it looked like an interesting concept where like the whatever it is the the demon smile or, or something it infects you or it attaches to you when you right. see somebody kill themselves. Yeah, whoever's infected with the demon, 
uh, yeah. kills themselves in front of you. But you have to have uh, a traumatic event happen. And who hasn't had a traumatic event happen to them at some point, right? So That's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's... Uh, have you seen It Follows? I have. Yeah, it's it's a lot along those lines of um, yeah. insanity. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting. But the thing <laughs> is, that's that lend credence to the movie. You know, it could... It could chase those storylines where it was more psychological and more single focus. But for Friday, yeah, I don't see that going anywhere, at least for me. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. It's it's like there's elements to a slasher film, right? All right. People getting slashed, obviously. Uh, blood, over-the-top violence, and titties. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And, and that's, that's like, sex. <laughs> and those things are very, you know, of the 80s. Yeah. So how would you make that? Because if say like you do a found footage, right? How would you film, you know, a scene that would incorporate like a good, good set of titties? Yeah. And um, like, yeah, they're sure the guy, she's writing the guy or something, or there's two chicks making out and the guy is filming them. And you get like flashes and stuff like that, but that like that really doesn't capture the the essence of what the slasher film was back in the day, right? Right. You know, like they were like the the the, the young couples were like in in the midst of passion, and then all of a sudden, fucking Freddie uh, Jason comes out and just cuts them. fucks them up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just come off, right? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's the style. I have an opinion that I don't think slashers will make it anymore nowadays just because, again, they filled a niche that can all be filled with gore, uh, sex, and violence, right? Yeah. And I don't feel like that's a priority nowadays given the internet and stuff like exactly. that. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Maybe, you know, I, I never thought Top Gun Maverick, oh, at least Top Gun would get a sequel or anything, so... No, but it makes sense, especially like seeing the trajectory of uh, Tom Cruise's career in the past 15 years, yeah. where he has become more like the daredevil that he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense, you know, and, and especially considering like, I just, I recently re-saw the, um, the scene where he does the run mm. and like all the, all the, like the other uh, pilots are, are, are like sitting down and stuff like that and all of a sudden he comes on the radar and boom he shows them that he could do the run yeah fucking amazing scene right yeah <laughs> and then like I'm, I'm thinking cause like how many times did they actually have to do this because they they switch angles mm-hmm. so they have like the, the GoPro that's that's in front of him mm-hmm. and then they have the GoPro that's behind him to see the, like the over the shoulder third person shot right 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 but you don't see that obviously you don't see the GoPro that's in front of him Mm-hmm. So did they do this a couple of times? Uh, I I don't. That's a good question. But from what I saw, the rig, it's not just one GoPro. Yeah. Yeah, it's like five different cameras in front of him. So it may be mm. CGI, like they erased it. Yeah, you know I know. I mean? Yeah, there is that that uh, software that erases like selfie sticks and stuff like that. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So maybe along those lines. But that's crazy, right? Yeah. So because yeah. it, it's expensive to fly fucking jets. <laughs> I mean, like getting it, getting it started is already hundreds of thousands. You know, with yeah, the gas and stuff like that. <laughs> Just like, all right, there it is. There's ten thousand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Uh, we we talked about two topics that are 
that we have stories for. So let's go in with the most, the one that pisses me off the most, fucking James Cameron. Okay. I was like, Opening. I was kind of confused. Like, wait, what? No, what story? <laughs> like, no, yeah, James, James Cameron. Fucking James Cameron James opening a stupid Cameron. fucking movie. James, does, James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James oh. Cameron is James Cameron. Before you start, was that the name of the article that you posted? On no, the show I just blog? put it. I put it. I put it like that. <laughs> I was laughing like, dude, who, who posted this? Like, <laughs> no, so... For some reason, James Cameron can't keep his fucking mouth shut about, you know, what people tend to enjoy. Yeah. And he's ranging on DC and Marvel movies again. Yeah. And he's talking about how the, there's no character development. They're not real. They're not put in real life situations and stuff like that. And so like, dude, you're kind of missing the point. <laughs> Quite <laughs> you know? lightly. Yeah. It's, uh, his argument is that they don't go to college. They act like people from college. Yeah, and uh, and he, you know, okay, I have two, I have two theories about this, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have the fanboy theory that I can talk about probably, and then I have like, the marketing theory. So my fanboy theory is, of course, there is development, right? I mean that there would have to be with the character, with the events the characters are given, and this is both for Marvel and DC. The characters have to change, like in Man of Steel, uh, with Zod. That obviously affected Batman and pushed him to, uh, you know, fight the Man of Steel. Exactly. And, and it's same with with like say Captain America, who found out Bucky's alive. Now he has to go off the grid and look for him, or even Hulk or anything like that. So that's basically just dumb. Was what Cameron yeah. is compared. But like, but like with the with the Captain America and Bucky, so much so he you know felt like Bucky was redeemable. To the extent where he essentially destroyed a relationship with like a would be brother, right? Yeah, as as Bucky beat the crap out of him, right? It yeah, just, yeah, exactly. So and having Robert Downey Jr. is like, oh no, he's his character acts like he's in college. Like, really though, does he? Yeah, it's 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 just I feel like he's been hey look at me, and that that brings me to my marketing theory. Uh, when is shape? When is a way of water coming? Shape out? of water. Yeah, I, I, last time I said I said Avatar, shape of water, but <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, when is way of um, uh, December, right? Oh, well, yeah, we know because we checked beforehand. But yeah, yeah, so December. And Scorsese complains about Marvel. And when does the Irishman come out? Uh, came no, out like just five like years a th- ago? Yeah, so no, yeah. I, I know, but like he complained about it I, to get eyes on the Irishman. So yeah. Cameron complaining makes me feel like it's just him trying to get eyes on Avatar for some reason. It, it could be, but given like, Marvel I've heard, and DC's dominance, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, but I've heard like countless of stories that James Cameron is just a fucking asshole. Oh yeah, he killed Terminator. So, yeah, being, uh, the newest one, Genesis, or oh, not Genesis, no. um, Dark Fate. Dark Fate. Yeah, he he yeah. was notoriously helicopter directoring. And the the their director said he would never work with James Cameron again. And just reading how he just interfered in that production, I was like, "This is a nightmare, dude. I can't handle this." Yeah, and it like I honestly feel like uh, Endgame taking over the t- highest grossing film of all time. Really personally, <laughs> yeah, he he's really chapped ass about that. Oh my goodness! Like, dude. 
like, uh, okay, we have to acknowledge. It's because like he's done. He's done so much for the industry. Right. He's done so many like it's, it's for the I'm industry, so but before the genre as well. You know, Terminator. Fucking Terminator was revolutionary for his time. Yeah, Terminator Two was the one that pushed. I don't, I don't want to say because there's always a chance that there's another film that did it. But I want to say that it was one of the films that pushed the wide use of CGI and virtual effects in film. Because everyone yeah. was used to building the sets and building practical stuff. And James Cameron said, hey, uh, you can have less struggle with that if you just do everything on a computer. And he did that with Terminator 2. Yeah, the T-1000. Yeah, the T-1000. Gee, imagine seeing that for the first time. <laughs> Liquid Fucking metal. blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just feel like... Yes, it could be like also he's very smart. What to give him that? It could be a. It could be a. Oh, let me just drum up some some eyes for my film. Yeah. But it, it, it's. I'm also thinking because he's a fucking asshole. Like he <laughs> he takes like these things personally. You know, like remember what with all the shit he started talking about when um, Wonder Woman came out. Right, right. And she was saying that he uh, he made the first female character or the first uh, the first. Big like powerful female, yeah. Like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Go away. Go (laughs) find the Titanic again or something. You know, what the fuck is wrong with you? It just, just, uh huh. No, I was just saying, it's just like infuriating because, like, first of all, who the fuck asked you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you okay? So, do you think I'm gonna take Devil's Advocate? All right. Do you think this is just him having an opinion and has nothing to do with? the film criticism or anything like that. It's just him saying, hey, water's wet, the sky is blue, <laughs> and Marvel films are in college. Or something like, you know what I mean? Just along those lines where it's just a hot take. <laughs> hot take kind of thing. Um, I mean, there's always that possibility. Yeah. You know, that kind of that kind of falls hand in hand with the, um, you know, trying to drum up business for his film. Stating the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, like with Scorsese, you I kind of feel like with him there is a little bit more weight to what he says because mm. he you know talk about masters right you know he's up there right Cameron I I don't need to him yeah exactly <laughs> there if there if anything you know there's 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 people out there that there's directors out there that in one way or of another ushered in a new genre a new generation of filmmaking you know. Yeah, exactly. And as much as I feel like, as much as you could get James Cameron deserves partial credit for his role, I just feel like he the his assholeness just overshadows everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, I'm conflicted as well because I love Terminator One. I loved I just love the Terminator franchise in general. Not probably not yeah. after Terminator Two, but that this is my opinion, and it's uh, Terminator Two just how revolutionary at the time it was and just Jim Cameron I like just thinking about the helicopter scene there's a helicopter scene at the Terminator 2 where the the camera op was like no this is too dangerous and Cameron's like here give me the camera I'll do it myself yeah. and, and he does it and that's like badass right like oh you go so far as to risk limb and mortality to get the perfect shot now fast forward a couple of decades later and he's just complaining about how Marvel and DC are college and there's no development yada 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 it sounds petty, 
and it sounds like he did take it. They did take Titanic, coming off the the best one of the best movies, the top selling right, the best uh, grossing. It was, movies. I think it was Avatar. But Avatar, okay, Avatar, yeah. one of the best grossing movies, and just being knocked down from a bunch of superheroes and stuff. Yeah. Do you think he's a little jealous though? Yeah. Hell yeah. Like James Cameron feels like the kind of person who would look at someone else's project and get like, how come I, I did? How come I didn't think like, about well, it first? Like, it's the same thing with Wonder Woman. Like yeah. you said, Wonder Woman. It's Wonder Woman predates Sarah Connor, and he still had to open his mouth by like fifty years. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and you know, yeah, I had the first uh, master hero, and not the master hero, the first strong, strong female hero. Theme, yeah, and it's like that's not the point. <laughs> that's, like yeah, no. your hero definitely influenced generations of people, but it's not a measuring contest, bro. Like just <laughs> yeah, dude, just go back, keep doing your fucking Avatar films, and come out when they when they're being released. Nobody needs you. Yeah, like go ahead and slay. Like, at least I don't know, but at least Bay didn't open his mouth. Yeah. Right? Bay didn't say, hey, oh, I had the most explosions. Oh, no, he did. He complained about <laughs> he complained about uh, blowing up, I think, Pearl Harbor, and then the one who won the biggest explosion was, like, Jerry Brockheimer or something like that. Or, uh, the one yeah. who makes a bunch of the, the disaster the films. Oh, the yeah, disaster Jerry Brockheimer. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So. Jerry Brockheimer, fucking Hollywood super producer. Yeah, but at least That's- for Bay, he complains... For the most funny things, but for Cameron's, like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I mean, but like, this, despite like all the faults that um, Michael Bay has as a as a filmmaker, you right. know, his his story structure and all that stuff, he feel I feel like he's more in on the joke than than Cameron. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. he understands that he he's been reduced down to explosions. <laughs> and and like plays into it and laughs about it. Yeah, uh, that and I feel like he just has he knows like you said and he has fun with it. Yeah. Hmm. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Star Wars. Star we Wars. have a release date for the next in Star Wars uh, next installment in the Star Wars franchise. Saga? Yeah. No franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, producer Damon Din- Lindelof. Uh, he's done some stuff. Let me. It's probably gonna be. Anyways, he's producing a right now. He's writing right. Yeah, he's, he's writing it. Yeah. He's writing uh, the next Star Wars film, which was supposed to be Taika Waititi's, right? Right. Uh, I believe. No, that's another thing. Screenwriter uh, David yeah. David Lindelof. He wrote Watchmen, the TV series Lost, The Hunt, which I want to see Tomorrowland, Prometheus, uh, Star Trek into Darkness, Darkness or something, yeah. World War Z, World War Z, Z. <laughs> Tomorrowland. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's working on the next Star Wars and his uh from his cinematography, not cinematography, from his filmology. Is that the word? Filmology, yeah, sure. His list of movies. He he's the man for the job. Uh, well, we can hope so. I hope so, right? You're right. Yeah. Too hopeful. Yeah, like, we, earlier this year, it was, it was dropped that uh, Rogue Squadron was pretty much done, uh, Patty Jenkins' film, which is fucked up, because that's, that would have been a super interesting, uh, you know, aspect of, of the Star Wars story. You know, yeah. I, I know the games are out there, but to see that actually in, like, a live-action film would have been awesome. Fortunately, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah, uh, definitely. First, <laughs> fucking Ryan Johnson's is still happening. 
right? Yeah, and the, the his trilogy. Yeah. In the distant future. And far, far away. Yeah. Um, so Taika Waititi, that's the only one where it's kind of like up in the air because we don't, we really haven't heard anything uh, additional coming out of that aside from that he's directing. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, interesting. Well. Oh yeah, the, the the release date is December twenty twenty five. So mark your calendars, everybody. <laughs> it sounds so far away. I mean, we're on the cusp of twenty twenty three, right? So yeah, what's another two years? I guess. I mean, dude, yeah, there's that that um, phenomena. I guess you could say, like as you get older, the years seem to to be um, shorter. Yeah. And I kind of feel the truth because I, I remember, like, when I was a kid, fucking summers would go on forever. Right. And now it, it we're in fucking October. We're in November already, basically. Yeah, November next yeah. week, right? Yeah, next week. Yeah, uh, on Tuesday. It's scary as hell. Like, what if I blink and I wake up and it's already twenty twenty five? Yeah. <laughs> There's that that big um, fucking elephant in the room that everybody has to, you know, confront one day, and it's yeah. our mortality. Bum, bum, bum. Dun dun. <laughs> All right, the big news. DC. DC, or the DCU, right? The DCU, yes. So there's been a lot of uh, goings on with the the Discovery-Warner Brothers uh, merger. A lot of people getting fired, a lot of projects getting axed. Yeah. Uh, So, but now we get to see possibly the most interesting move we've seen in the last 10 years, right? Right. James Gunn has been named co-CEO of Creative of DC Creative, which is basically everything, right? Live action uh, movies, TV, and animation. Yeah. So everything is now within one, I guess, right? Yeah. Did it, wasn't it within one before? Yeah, I, I guess they separated the divisions now. I guess. So it's not just one umbrella for DCEU. Now it's animation, movies, and TV shows. Yeah. Well, the big news is that James Gunn's in charge, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he is somebody who has been who has proved himself to be more than capable of handling, you know, ensemble films with the success of all the Guardians of the Galaxy films and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So we could hope that uh, be, because of his time working with Kevin Feige at War, uh, Marvel, he you know picked up some tricks or anything you know something that could help him structure a overarching plan for the DC films uh, a la Marvel. You know. So do you think that uh, he he should since he's Kevin Feige and there's a lot of connotations when it comes to that like like mm-hmm. being planned and stuff. Do you think that's the approach DC should take, or should it take just more of the oneers? I like the oneers, like the the standalone films. Right. What they need help is what they need somebody to like properly structure is a way to incorporate everything together. Mm. You know. Yeah. Like that, look at like mm, go ahead. Sorry. Like look at Black Adam. They okay. that film is it incorporates a lot of elements that we've already seen in the DC film. You know, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, obviously, with Amanda Waller. They introduced the Justice Society, which is awesome. And then, obviously, at the end, Superman. Right. So they they put all these these players into play. 
Now the challenge would be is figuring out a way to incorporate them in a in a cohesive way. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I feel fairly confident about that. Then if you took that, point. I, yeah. I don't. Uh, the thing is with that is is it just going to be DC trying to mimic Marvel? You know what I mean? I I get it uh, that they they have to connect these movies in some way, but uh, that that begets a a grander. S- Scheme, like an end game level kind of movie at the end of the line, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel I, I don't know. I feel like James Gunn can do that kind of things, but uh, when it comes to the grander scheme thing, there hasn't really been a film he's he's done that before, and that's why um, I guess Peter Safran's there because isn't um the Conjuring? There's a movie where everything kind of lines up at some point. <laughs> yeah, like the, this is the origin of the Conjuring, the, the Conjuring, and. Uh... Insidious, I want to say, like mm-hmm. I think the, the the Insidious was laid in, like the origins of Insidious was was laid in uh, the Conjuring, something like that. Right, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I feel like he would help Gun making uh make the the franchises cohesive, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. And then like Gun also like. Even if they do like stick with their current model, which is the the standalones, he can oversee the scripts and make sure that structure the story wise makes sense structurally. Yeah, yeah, he you definitely is. He's more. Uh, he's <laughs> like I don't want to undercut any other creatives who try to go for the role, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess suppose he's more rooted within the the industry than say Jeff uh, Jeff Johns. Uh, See, well, that's the thing. Is in like, terms of translating these films, these these comics to film, you know what I mean? I feel like Jeff yeah. John is more within the comic realm. And he has those narratives, but uh, the translation is what kind of got bogged down within the, the semantics of it. Yeah, but like you, you, you point out Jeff Johns, but like mm-hmm. he's the guy who basically re- revitalized the comic book sales for DC. You know, oh, like the introduction, yeah. introduction of the New 52 and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. like, how, like, story is story, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what median is is being conveyed, the, all the elements for story structure are there. No, you yeah. Know, you, just, you just have to tweak them here and there. So, like, it, it doesn't make you believe maybe that there was more going on behind the scenes when Jeff Jobs was in charge? That and a little bit of both. I just, like you said, story is story, yeah. But uh, a comic book that's 25 pages to a script that's 260 pages. And is a little uh, like a stretch, and like comics have those visual aspects, and then of course the general, you know, who Superman is, you know, his family kind of thing. You don't, you kind of have to explain that in film or in a, at least a TV show which has eight hour runs, right? So yeah. I feel like that is the translation, like not the story story, but just translating something that is usually twenty five pages and has a visual aspect to something that's not and you have all these working parts as well you know production studios but also yeah like you said i feel like he had an idea and then the studio's like nah let's put this marvel stuff in it you know there's that also aspect of yeah yeah so i I mean i feel like it's both and that's what makes me scared for james gunn as well (laughs) yeah there's always that that underlining sense of danger, I guess you could put it. <laughs> yeah, being dangled over a bridge, I guess, after winning the lottery. Yeah. Kind of um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. With, especially with Warner Brothers, because they're fucking notorious for, you know, trying to justify their executives' jobs. 
Yeah, I read an article and it kind of it really pissed me off, and I'm not surprised uh, that uh, Henry Cavill was there. They wanted him to come back for Shazam, right? Yeah, and uh, I think he only had a couple of more appearances on his uh, on his on a script. His uh, what's the thing they signed? His contract. <laughs> his contract. Thank you. In his contract, and uh, he had two, I believe. And Shazam, uh, he wanted they wanted him to show up in Shazam, and he his his agent said that that would count to one of the two. Yeah, and essentially Warner Brothers at the time was like, no, then he's a uh, something something non grata, which essentially means that he's a you don't persona non grata. Yeah, he's a persona non grata, so they don't. Uh, is that it? Yeah, persona non grata. They don't consider him working with him. Yeah. So that's just fucked up. yeah, right. Just that I was like, okay, I guess that's what you, that's what you care about your talent or the person who looks who's actually super. Yeah, and then I was reading that The Rock was saying that. He fought for for them to bring back Henry Cavill, but they just kept telling him no. Yeah. Oh, so that see, see now, and this is the underneath the new leadership, right? Yeah. Mm, I think it was for towards Black the, Adam, or is it towards yeah the, the towards the Adam. end of the old oh the old guard. Yeah. Yeah. So that aspect like it, it's, is it's a it, it, like it's not like he plays a major role in the film you know it's a and it's a mid-credit scene you, you can shoot that shit in fucking a basement in Pacoima, <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's not like it's a big deal to 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 bring back um henry cavill once the you know like oh a, a week after the acquisition happened and people started getting fired right yeah, so, it's definitely not. I, so, and again, like you said, it. it uh, I keep saying that today. <laughs> like you said, it. Uh, it feels. It makes the world feel more lived in if you have characters appear from other movies. You know, like mm-hmm. the Amanda Waller showing up, Harcourt showing up to some extent, uh, it, and of course, Man of Steel showing up at the end. So, not to have him there is you're just wasting that opportunity and seeing that Warner Brothers rules like no, we don't have just because of that interaction. Maybe. Maybe there are other elements that worked out, and, but that just seems petty. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, like, hopefully the fan reaction to to that scene is such that you know it gives a little like a boost mm-hmm. for him. Like, it's it's, yeah. it's seen as a positive to like encourage to for him to be in, included. You know, beyond Man of Steel two. Yeah. Exactly. Because it, it, it sucks because they shelved him and it's a role he, he absolutely loves to do. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's ever been anybody more perfect for that role. Yeah, absolutely. You look at Christopher Reeves. Yeah, sure. But like he had like a 70s bod. <laughs> 70s Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's 70s Superman. And you had um, George Reeves from the 50s. Where I, I, I think... There might be like some shots of him with like a cigarette pack in his underwear. <laughs> you know, that's a that's your dad's dad's. <laughs> yeah, that's your grandpa Superman. <laughs> uh, Brendan Ralph, unfortunately, he didn't. I don't feel like he got a, a, a good enough chance, you know, to be Superman because Superman Returns was just so bad. Right. <laughs> and then like the other Superman who played him in TV shows, Dean Kane, the guy who plays him now. I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah. They but yeah, out of all of them, out of all of them, Henry Cavill is is Superman. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have your Andrew Garfields, your Tobey Maguire's, <laughs> but then yeah. you have you know, Tom Holland. Tom Holland, and he just mm. checks all the boxes. 
when it comes to Superman. So I'm hoping James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran can. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. My my issue is I'm not uh, creatively. I'm 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 excited, right? Like their mm-hmm. creative powers in their in their industry, especially with Peter Safran with the franchises that he's built, and of course James Gunn with the narratives he's told. But I I'm just cautious how working with Warner Brothers is going. to... Yeah, that's the big the big fucking thing. You know, we have to take into consideration that, like we said before, notorious for fuckery. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though that like as this is going on, like this this news is dropping that they're restructuring their creative uh, pattern or their creative work. Is that you know Green Lantern Corp is still happening and Matt Reeves Batman spinoffs are still happening, including one additional one. You know. Yeah. So it's uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. going down, and you have the Joker, the the sequel, yeah, which is the, still I'm on the fence about, <laughs> but I. Uh, like I, I like musicals. There are musicals that I like, but that they're all, they're all from like a hundred years ago, so. <laughs> right? Yeah, like Barbara Streisand or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara Streisand. Damn. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Hello Dolly. I love that. I love yeah, that but yeah, exactly. So it, I, even with the Batman, the Batman didn't feel like something because it, it looks so creatively different. Both of those films, the Joker and the Batman, I don't really see them having a sequel because a sequel, uh, there's conventions that have to be taken, right? Yeah. If anything, if anything was like a standalone, it would have been the Joker. Right. Right. Like at least with the Batman, there's you know introductions of new characters, and or at least That's we true. know like we know that uh, eventually Jim Jim Gordon becomes commissioner, or like now he's lieutenant or some shit. We right, eventually right. know that. Uh, Batman and Catwoman have like a full-fledged relationship. You know, it's it's stuff like that 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 even though it's not really set up for a sequel per se, mm. the elements are there so that you can continue. That's true, yeah. You know, in the Joker, it ends with him, you know, accepting his madness and all that stuff. And yeah, there's that that element there that we know that the Joker becomes this horrific maniac. But aside from that, there really isn't anything that would say like, oh, yeah, let's make another one to continue this storyline or let's make another one to wrap up these loose ends or some shit, you know? Yeah, that's true. And even the structure felt like an indie film. Yeah. Uh, Just an indie film as in there's not really a sequel for an indie film, you know? I mean, it's just kind of it's uh, in-depth look on insanity, I suppose, at this point. And it didn't (laughs) really beget a sequel, but now we're getting a sequel and it just feels franchise-y. Yeah. Which is which is interesting if it is a musical, right? Because that kind of like throws a monkey wrench into like the the franchise, the, the the typical franchise structure. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, if if they do decide, which they are obviously to to franchise <laughs> off this the the Joker films, so yeah, why not fuck around with it? Why not play around with it? Why not do it your own thing? Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I hope it. It keeps up with its, I suppose, indie film kind of thing. Because I, I know the Batman, there are storylines, right? They definitely spl- splinter off. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, I suppose, it didn't feel like a franchise film to me. That it didn't really. No, exactly. It, it felt like a, this is a story, a year one story or year two story. And that's what it should be. You know, maybe we'll do another one but it's going to be you know year seven or eight something way down the line (laughs) so that it feels like it's its own thing again 
Right. You know, because, like, if you're going to do year one, I mean, year two, year three, year four, like, what the fuck's the point of that? How yeah. much can you, how much, can, I'm sure, like, there's a lot you can learn within, you know, a six-month period. But is there anything, like, that's going to be ex- so noticeable for uh, for you to be able to put on film? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and creatively. I, yeah. The Joker was a film that visually and uh, in some aspects, sound-wise, they did, it was different from other superheroes. But now you jump the shark. And the, how do you uh, how do you bring that up? And the musical she could be the aspect of it being weird, right? Something that, like you said, throws a monkey wrench into the whole structure of superhero films. But when, yeah. when it comes to the Batman, it, it also feels like it's it doesn't feel like a uh, a something that begets another sequel. And even then, how's that sequel going to pan out? Is it going to yeah. have those dark moments with Nirvana playing again, or you know, it, it's it's going to be hard for the sequel to follow up on the first film. And that's what I'm, I'm on the fence about with both of well, these franchises. I only remember hearing uh, talk about a sequel for the Batman film after it came out already. You know, because like throughout the yeah. whole throughout the whole process of that film, like all the times it changed and everything like that, it was like originally it was supposed to be the like the continuation of the bat flick, right? And then it turned into its own thing when Matt Reeves took over, and it kind of always felt like it was going to be a one off because. Yeah. It felt like they had a bigger plan for Batman. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was supposed to be a separate adventure compared to yeah. DC. Like Batfleck was is the mainstream Batman. <laughs> I guess I can say that now. And then uh, the Matt Reeves was kind of the the one off, not the one off, but the you know the side story kind mm-hmm. of thing, like Killing Joke and the Joker in the comics. It, it's it's the side narrative next to the mainstream stuff. For sure. Yeah. So that's what I uh, that's what it felt like. I suppose that's why it just looks visually different. Like, not every Batman, like your younger nephew, is not gonna watch the Batman and like, oh, this is cool. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's mature. It's more mature compared to, I, I guess, compared to Batflick, who's killing people as well. But yeah, it's a little bit more mature than that. You know, I feel. Yeah, it's a little more down to earth. Yeah, and and dirty because he's like a serial killer and he's killing. Yeah, but we have Matt Reeves who's working on the Penguin TV show, right? Right. Penguin, Arkham Asylum, which was Arkham GCPD. Asylum. GCPD. And, and then uh, there's and talks about a third one. Yeah, but we, we don't know. I wonder, but we haven't... So the thing is, we haven't seen a, the GCPD canceled or approved. Just yeah. Know that the, they became the Arkham Asylum show. show. Yeah, what would you think about having a Alfred spinoff? That would be freaking awesome. But don't we like, have that already, though? Pennyworth? Well, yeah, Pennyworth. Right. Oh, but within the Batman. Oh, but With, you would... Ah, dang it. You would have to bring Andy Serkis, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you... Do you oh, then it, I was going to say, do you think he would be able to do a TV show spinoff? Like a... Sh- or a movie? Oh, man. Like, what do you think, a TV show or a movie? I was thinking, like, a one-time movie of his time in the, you know... <laughs> as, as the SAS, or was it? In the movie? SAS, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Commando. Yeah, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, like, something that where it gives a little back more background and embraces more of that badass that fucking Alfred was. Yeah, it'd be cool if, like, uh, he became... He was the Batman 
of that the era. First, the first Steel yeah, Batman. First, yeah, in terms of, like, not straight up with a cape, right? But just uh, with a mask. A domino mask. Yeah, with a domino mask or something <laughs> like that. And then uh, Bruce is like, oh, is this oh, you, Alfred? No, dude. no, 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 dude. Oh, no, no. He's the the great ghost. Oh, I, well, who's that? He was, you don't remember? It was, I don't um, <laughs> was it, was it the great ghost? It was, uh, was it, um, was it when, no, 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 no. When, when Bruce Wayne was a kid, he used to watch like the, oh, the old timey. Oh, Yeah, like uh, along the same lines of that. Right, right. And, so, um, in the, in the Batman animated series, it was played by, um, Adam West. Oh, so that's kind of just how he inspired, because that makes sense with the mask, right? And then the bats. Yeah. The cave. So like he plays like the pseudo uh, detective crime fighter that uh, Bruce Wayne as a kid, you know, idealizes or something. It, it sets up the the uh, the idea of him taking taking on the mantle of the Batman. I just sent you a link so you oh, can see. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, dude, that would be really cool. Right. That'd be was he fanboying over him? Yeah, he was excited to... As Batman? As Batman. Yeah, he was excited to work with the Great Ghost. Yeah, so that would would be really cool to have this continuity. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And and also, like, embrace more of those, uh, you know, I don't want to say secondary, but, like, tertiary, like, those, like, lastering, only, like, the true fans would know. Yeah, (laughs) like, the true fans. Yeah, absolutely. The the weirder you get with these characters, the better. Not weird as in comedic, but you know, fringe. Like polka yeah. dot man with the, the Suicide Squad or even King Shark. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, and we also we also uh, heard that the Green Lantern TV show is being restructured. Yeah. You know, it was supposed to be centered on Guy Gardner and some other one. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Say there Adam you Scott, go. The first Earth One Green Lantern. That's one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say because he's the magic aspect, and then yeah, Earth two Alan one. Scott. Uh, Alan yeah. Scott. Okay, thank you, Alan Scott. Guy Gardner and Alan Scott. Right. And now it's being restructured to focus on John Stewart. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I feel kind of sad. Like I didn't, I, I didn't care much really for a guy. I was gonna say Guy Ritchie, a Guy Gardner, <laughs> Guy Gardner and Alan Scott. Uh, but I, I was looking forward to a buddy cop kind of lethal weapon movie with Hal Jordan and John Stewart. Yeah, that's interesting. Like what what has always fascinated me was that the Green Lantern isn't just like a, a solitary one. You know, it's like military structure. They're right. basically branches of a military. Right. So why not embrace that, you know? Yeah. So like focus your, your TV show on that, you know, bring in the red the red lanterns, bring on the black lantern, bring on like all the different lanterns that there are so that we can finally see how big and expansive uh, the Green Lantern Corps or the Lantern Corps are. Yeah, that's a great point. You could definitely do world building with the TV show. Explain how something like like a murder, for example, and they're, it's like they're a police force, right? So they're investigating a crime, and it spans a galaxy. Like there's an opportunity to introduce so many characters within the DC universe to the mainstream. Uh, I'm about but for John Stewart, I'm excited as well. I, I know I'm sad with Hal Jordan, but yeah, it's they have to refocus it to a singular and not do what the previous guard did and just kind of reach for anything that's in hands and where they see. 
<laughs> ads reach. Yeah. Is it ads reach? Yeah. They're right. arm's length. Whatever they can grab. They can grab, right? Because Alan yeah. Scott and Guy Gardner, I, I know them, but just to like, really? You're going to make a film that centers around those kinds of those characters? But well, isn't Guy Gardner one of like the more hated of the Green Lanterns? From what I remember, yes. Because <laughs> he was like always so fucking annoying. Yeah, I, I want to say he's annoying, but also one of the most powerful Green Lanterns because of that. That's why he's so cocky. Yeah. Yeah, because he's so like, super the, overpowered. Who's the, the, the current Green Lantern? Is the chick now the with the, the sapphire on her eye or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know her name. But yeah, it's yeah but even, even bringing her in, you know, would have been... I feel like would have been... Because like, yeah, um, Jon Stewart is very popular... Yeah. And and awesome as a character, as a as a um, as a lantern. Though the times we've seen him portrayed in uh, Justice League Unlimited, mm-hmm. but I feel like just narrowing it down to just a single Green Lantern, you're kind of like shooting yourself in the foot there. No. Yeah, that's a good point because it, it's it's marketed as the Green Lantern core series, but to have it on John Stewart's eyes. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it does, it does. I think it's because of that, isn't it? The Justice League ties. See, that there's the, the floor giving way with all these decisions, is that all of them, especially with Man of Steel 2, all of them seem like they're to cater us. You know what I mean? Like, Jon Stewart obviously has some ties in the nostalgia with Justice League, so why not make a series about it? Yeah. You know, Man of Steel, Henry Cavill is the most popular Superman. Make a movie about him. And stuff like that. And then, like, the Batman and the Joker, they love those. Let's make spin-offs out of that. You know what I mean? I, I, I know that this has been in development before that. But just releasing that news now, it's after James Gunn became the head of DC Universe, is a little sketch. <laughs> yeah, there's always, like... I mean, the only thing we can do is just wait and see. Yeah. And hope that it, it's, it's good. Or hope that it's, a, at the very least, watchable. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of speculation that we do whenever we we hear or read the news, and you know we're not the ones making the decisions. We're not in the in the in the in the rooms when the decisions are made. So hopefully, it feels like they've been doing a lot of course correction, especially yeah. with James Gunn. Like you said, it is a little sketchy, but now that he is in charge, along with uh, Saffron, 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 right? Saffron. Yeah. Hopefully they. They can, you know, the course correction bleeds into all the other projects and, and they don't end up being, you know, typical of the DCU or DCEU, I guess, at that point. Right, exactly. So uh, the Green Lantern TV show, uh, I'm I'm hopeful, I guess, if I could sum it up. <laughs> yeah, interesting. You know, it's like it's a, well, the thing <laughs> is that it's a Ber- it's Berlanti. It's oh, Greg Berlanti. Right. So he obviously in charge of the Flash, Arrow, uh, Supergirl, mm-hmm. fucking yeah. Heroes of Tomorrow or some shit. Yeah. What's, what's that shit? Something Tomorrow. I know. Yeah. Something Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so it, they yeah. all feel very CWE, you know? Yeah. Right. So, and the Green Lantern Corps uh, TV show is going to be on HBO Max. So hopefully he he's encouraged to push the line a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Make it a little bit more risque, I guess you could say. Right, right. And obviously, the budget. Hopefully, their budget is a little more. It's a little higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Than your typical CW shows and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely the niche, isn't it? Yeah. 
So yeah, like I said, I'm hopeful. There are a lot of elements that are pointing towards a possible good, but it's it's Warner Brothers in DC, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they could always fuck it up. They they'll always find they'll always be able to find a way to fuck it up. Yeah, even though the new guard's gone, I just feel I'm not the new guard. The old guard's gone. I I'm still sketch on Discovery because how they came back like yeah, let's burn this place down or something. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. The um the 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 thing that has me worried about that is the how they want to convert HBO Max or or meld it with their Discovery app. Oh god, don't get me started. <laughs> Hopefully they don't do that because like there's still the news that is coming out they're still saying like oh these shows are going to be on HBO Max, you know? Like right. why would they be dedicating uh shows to a platform that they're going to kill? Yeah. Yeah, that they're they're gonna use the Discovery app as the base rather than um, HBO Max as a base. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> but speaking about um, s- streaming services that need that need to get their shit together, Netflix. <laughs> it's like every week. I know. <laughs> so Netflix announced that it's going to roll out their well, they're they're cracking down on password sharing. Right. Which is, I was reading through the article, and a lot of people, or they highlighted a, a tweet that somebody posted that screen capped a Netflix tweet from, like, who the fuck knows how long ago. But they said password sharing is caring or something. I don't know. It's something to the extent that they were encouraging you to share your password. Right. And Netflix and, did. Yeah, Netflix. Netflix. Oh, Netflix and then, sent the tweet. Okay. Yeah. And then now, after that blew up in their face and they're scrambling, honestly... They decided to roll out early 2023, right? Still hasn't been, uh, still hasn't been uh, put into motion. But early 2023, they announced uh, that they're going to implement their password sharing that they've already had in play in some uh, Latin American countries. Right. And the people are not happy. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to something like this, where. You built your your streaming service on a platform that enables that and doesn't really have some some kind of barrier that prevents you. And people get used to it, right? It feels homely. It feels yeah. like that's how it is. But you suddenly not only switch it, but you punish people for it. It's uh, yeah, like I could get switching it. Yeah, like they have to do something to <laughs> to mitigate I guess. to mitigate. Yeah, but punishing them, I yeah. kind of feel like. At this point, it should be like, let's forgive and forget. And that's what they've done before as well. Like, that's why people were grandfathered in, I think, uh, grandfathered into the old one. Yeah. And then it was, I still paid $8. Now it's like, what, 10 nowadays? Yeah, I, I'd still pay uh, $9. Like $9 or 9 or 8 or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so imagine people like, oh yeah, people who first got Netflix, you're getting the, we're upping your price. And people will be furious. Yeah, I mean, like, like I always go back to the to the the class we had with Kelly, hmm. where he said oh, like Kelly. he doesn't, huh? Oh Kelly, yeah. Oh, where he he was saying that he didn't understand how come they're charging like the streaming services, and this was what 2016, <laughs> you know, yeah. so along those lines. Yeah. So this yeah, <laughs> Disney Plus was on on the horizon, didn't exist. Like yeah, so it, it was still the the two HBO not HBO HBO had HBO Go and HBO Now. Yeah. And there yeah. was uh, Netflix and Hulu, right? Those were still the two big ones. 
Right, right. I think CBS All Access had just barely premiered, but they only had like one show. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he said, like, I don't understand why they keep raising their prices. What you would want to do is lower them so that more people would be encouraged to to subscribe. You know, and it makes sense. If you get 100 million people paying 10 bucks uh, a month, that's cool. But if you could get 300 million people paying $5 a month, yeah, I would I would want that option, no? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that, and you, then you slow uh, when you plateau, you slowly increase them. Yeah. All right. That just that's just how it goes. But yeah, and but now you're doing it in the middle of it when you're obviously drowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, but but Netflix doesn't seem to be like slowing down either. Though they keep pumping out productions. Yeah. Yeah. They, I see yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I just feel that those, those times where they do productions, it's like a hit and a miss. Like, yeah. we, we have those big ones like The Crown or Stranger Things or any of those big name productions going on. And even when they work with, like, say, Michael Bay with, was it Underground 13? Sure. That was, that was the well, that was the film that Bay uh, made for Netflix only. So, like, those kind of films, they, they have weight. But other than that, it, it's a far in between. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, hit-miss ratio is heavy yeah. on the miss. <laughs> but, I mean, they're still, I mean, it's still they're still putting out content. Yeah, yeah. You know, content is content, even though we don't, we haven't seen, you know, 95% of Netflix's library. <laughs> Somebody has. I imagine there was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Saw everything on Netflix. Jesus Christ. Like everything. I know yeah. everything. God is a koala or something. <laughs> so do you think you're ever going to uh, get rid of Netflix? Probably not. Uh, just because of the price wise. Like, why would I want to unsub and then come back for $15? Like, if I unsub, yeah. then I'm never going to go on Netflix again. Yeah, that's, a, that's where I'm still at. And, like, occasionally they come out with something that piques my interest. Like, uh, the, the next movie we're going to discuss, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, and they have a couple of TV shows that are good and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it for me, the same boat as you. I'm paying, you know, 9 bucks, ten nine ninety nine. I don't know exactly, under $10 a month yeah. for Netflix. Yeah. Where it's, if I cancel, then decide to come back because they released the movie that interests me. I'm going to fucking pay $15. Fuck that. Yeah. I, just, I would rather just pay 10 bucks and not use Netflix or, or use Netflix only when I want to need it, yeah. then have to pay again. Or password share. Yeah. Like, just get a grab from like, can I just watch this movie real quick? Kind of thing. And it, it garners a community, right? It garners mm-hmm. people connecting, I guess, in the, in the spirit of watching a film on Netflix. So I feel yeah. I'm, I'm not a guru when it comes to a financial marketing, but I feel like it would be better than penalizing people who are password sharing. Um, have like ads on the on the screen itself you know that mm-hmm. warrants that so at least you get some income or something yeah like if you want to if you want a password share the people who because like they, they the, the program that they have like detects how many people are basically like living in the same household that use right. the password right right I don't know how the fuck they're going to do that. Yeah, but I was like, geolocation like, or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> but if, uh, say, like, you're password sharing outside your household, have those people have, like, ads on them, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because their whole deal is that they want to monetize uh, us, but they can't do that if there are no paying subscribers. So mix it up a bit. Like, I hate mm. ads. I will never buy ads because I just hate it. Mm. Because uh, you're watching a show and out of nowhere, here's an ad about Juicy Fresh or something like that. <laughs> I'm just so annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. I but, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, so like, I'd rather have ads on the screen. It's like you know, like when I'm looking for stuff to look on Netflix. Here's there's an ad on the side or something, or in between yeah. each panel. The it's, it's interesting because like obviously a lot of people the are um, canceling their Netflix subscription because they're cracking down on password sharing. Yeah, but worldwide, it feels like they they gain subscribers, and I I sh- should be attributed to that they introduced the. The ad, the ad tier, right? Yeah, made it cheaper, a little bit more accessible. There's people out there that don't mind the the ads. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I don't, uh, I, I feel like they should pick one, and the ad side gives us the chance to, you know, have a cheaper thing and be able to get ads. But also, people who are already here, like yeah, penalize them too. Yeah, that thing. interesting. All right, let's uh, finish up on three trailers that were released this week. Rapid fire trailer, go. Rapid fire. All right, so no, the first just... one <laughs> is Creed 3. Creed 3, yay or nay? Yes. Uh, yay. You know, I've seen the first two. Why not fucking yay. finish it out and see the third one? Yeah, and the right? fourth one. And the fifth one. And the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think they're going to make a third. Uh, I mean, third. This is the third a, one. A fourth? a fourth one, yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. You know, it's not like... Michael B. Jordan is old as fuck. That and one is there someone who doesn't like a boxing film. Exactly. Like that's a, my my thing with boxing films is that there really isn't anywhere new you could take a character. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. I I liked Southpaw, which which uh, starred Jake Gyllenhaal because he played he played it as his character was like a slugger, right? He'll go in and basically trade haymakers with you until he he beat you up, knocked you down. Yeah. But he also took a lot of damage. And his character was like stuttering a bit. You know, you could tell that he has had a career full of brain damage. (laughs) Right. You know, unlike unlike Stallone, because, you know, I feel like he has brain damage, but like (laughs) not because of the boxing. (laughs) But so so that was that was an interesting aspect, you know, something a little interesting to toss in there to show some. Uh, you know what's being uh, reflected on today with the the studying, you know, CTE and stuff like that, when and, and athletes. Yeah, but exactly. other than that, other than that, there really isn't anything new that has been introduced or you could introduce to a, a boxing film. Yeah, I don't. Other than just kind of being nostalgic about it. Yeah, I don't. It, it always comes down to him getting beaten and then him rallying himself and coming back, or him just straight up beating him up but the lessons along the line gives him extra insight on that character that he fought you know what i mean so it seems like the the formula is there and uh other than southpaw which took that formula outside the ring mm-hmm. I, I don't know if uh do you think the, they how they would take creed 3 outside the ring because it seems like the character he's fighting uh, jonathan majors right yeah is uh is like from his childhood and there's a lot of uh, a lot of history behind that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, th- that's the thing. It's like we've seen that before already, though. 
Mm. You know, somebody from your past or something. <laughs> it comes out of jail, gets out of jail, and wants to challenge you for your title. Right. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, okay. So, that's the thing. Is like, Jonathan Majors is, is becoming one of my, my new favorites just because he's, like, he's a really good actor. Mm. So, it's it's cool to see him be play opposite Michael B. Jordan in, in Creed 3. Yeah. I'm just not expecting anything new. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it in theaters either. It's going to yeah, probably yeah. be like an at-home rental or something. Oh, I see. So, yeah, I mean, just to finish off the story. Yeah, it makes sense on most of these films and in trilogies anyway. Mm-hmm. I might watch this in the theater just because uh, a boxing match in the theater feels more grandiose. Yeah, I can see that. The uh, screen, the, the yeah. ambiance and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm EA as well. Yeah, all right. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. <laughs> I'm a hardcore yay. I can't yay yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's like I sent you the, the trailer, and I, I was like, what the fuck is going on at Disney? But it was like meant in a good way. Oh. It's like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, I, I was just like <laughs> laughing at it. Because I thought... <laughs> so um, it's it's one of the specials, right? Which yeah. Marvel did with uh, Werewolf by Midnight. Oh, by Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. They're trying to cheer up uh, Peter Quill because he broke up Gamora. Broke up with, I guess, like, because oh, she left. died. Yeah. No, the, yeah, yeah. She died. And then they replaced her with the, the older version. So I guess <laughs> the that version, they weren't dating. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, the, the he, they're trying version. to cheer him up. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to cheer him up and they go off to give him, like, the best Christmas. And it's uh, Drax and Mantis. Yeah. Like the, 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 the two of the bigger oddballs in the Guardians the of the Galaxy. The biggest oddballs together. What <laughs> one doesn't know? What is it? He doesn't know. Uh, oh, what, what's the, what's the grammar of it? He, sarcasm? No, sorry. Is it sarcasm? No, I there's think something so, right? he he doesn't. Yeah, I, I guess so. Metaphors. Okay, yeah. Metaphors. Yeah, he doesn't know metaphors. Like, how, why would I slip my throat? Yeah. I, why would I put my throat against her, my neck or something? Because when uh, they're going to kill Gamora in the first one. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know metaphors. And, and then, then Mantis, Mantis takes everything so literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like something that it could be a fun watch. Um, is it James Gunn as well? Is, did he do this? or is this, Yeah, this is, the last, this is his last film uh, other than Guardians 3. Mm, okay, so... Uh, yeah, it's something interesting c- gonna come out towards the towards the end of the year. So, the fun watch uh, Christmas, you know. Are you gonna watch it on Christmas? Probably. Probably, yeah. Pro- I'll probably wait because it comes out in November, right? I think so. Yeah, November something. I was like, why is it so early? <laughs> like, it's just not December yet. <laughs> yeah, because we're in uh... <laughs> November has become. Uh... December light. Yeah, <laughs> December light <laughs> before the heavy December. Yeah, let me see when yeah. does the holiday special. Yeah, November 25th. Oh, so Black Friday. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome. Okay, so yeah. that would be a nice uh, Thanksgiving thing to watch. Yeah, okay. and I feel like a, a lot of that happens you now. Um, the Christmas special, they release it the week of Thanksgiving because that's kind of like the the it's opening or like yeah it's like the sweet spot and then you have all chris all thing on november to all, all december i mean to watch it yeah yeah 
Okay, I'm, I'm excited for J. I'm, I'm really excited for this because it's it's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> they, they, in case you guys didn't see, y'all didn't see the trailer. They go in to kidnap Kevin Beacon. Yeah, and, he's like, you're coming then, with us. And then, <laughs> yeah, I was watching the trailer before the show again, and like Drax busts into the not the door but the side glass mirror things. Like we're gonna take you. Like the first thing he says in this, we say hello or say anything. The first thing he says, we're going to take you for a Christmas gift. Like, who doesn't run off when you're a movie star and some fan comes in? Like, we're going to take you for a Christmas gift. And he, he, runs, he runs off. Yeah. And I love that Kevin Bacon is playing Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is playing Kevin Bacon. Yeah. All right, and the big one big that one. dropped. That's not the biggest one. The biggest one. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. Yeah. The first look, we get to see Kang for the first time. Yeah. Again, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. We get Maybe. to see uh, all the crew back together again. The Ant family? I guess the we Ant family. The Ant family. Yeah, I guess so. Because like, who is the daughter supposed to play now? Uh, stature, another uh, like a another, another shrinking. next generation. Yeah, another <laughs> shrinking. Pretty much, if her name didn't hint what her power was, she shrinks her stature. Yeah. yeah. So, what kind of vibe did you get off the trailer? Uh, I guess like a a foreboding kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, uh, the song I I absolutely love because it was uh, I remember I, I was telling you about this. Uh, the song is is my dad's favorite song. Because was uh, uh, Yellow Brick Road, Elton John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yellow Brick Road, because he wanted to be a farmer, and uh, that's what he uh, he would sing. You know, like I should have listened to my old man, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got, I didn't get happy go lucky feels with the film with the trailer. I felt like, really, yeah. I like, I obviously, of course, um, Paul Rudd's face just brings a smile to my face. Yeah, it just brings a smile to me. But it, like Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, and. Um, Michael Douglas is it back in, mm-hmm. and it it felt like someone was gonna die, you know, because like Kang, how would you introduce the main baddie for the next couple of years for the phases for phase five and six? Yeah, that's yeah. what like I got. I actually felt like a little opposite of you. Like it felt yeah. like the the music landed made it a little more lighthearted. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see where you're going from. And for for a, like a lighthearted movie to set up, like you said, the big baddie for the next few years, for the next couple of phases, like it didn't really fit. Yeah, I'm not saying that I didn't like the trailer because I did like the trailer. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like it kind of felt like it's going to be more of the Ant Man jokey, haha, you know, yeah. and save see, the world type of thing. I see. I I love that there are two different views in this trailer mm-hmm. because for me it was foreboding because the song. It, it's foreboding. To, yeah. I know. I know it's happy, uh, but from my, I've since I've heard it so many times because it's, it's my dad's favorite. He, uh, it, the 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 feeling I get from the song is that you're you, you're given a chance that you can no longer go back to. You know, yeah. I, I should have listened to my. I, I should have stayed on the farm. I should have listened to my like something happened for to push you into a new world. So like, I, just the new world feels in, and like I like you said. It's introducing the major bad guy for the next phase five and six. So there has to be some sort of impact to the character. And 
and why not break down the happiest character, you know? Because <laughs> like, we were introduced to him, and Jonathan Majors is definitely one of those actors that are slowly rising in my list. And uh, his his acting is really good. Like, I can bring them back. I'm like, who bring who back? Like, yeah. who's, like, I can save them. Like, who save who? Like, what's going on? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yes. so to introduce essentially Thanos, right, in the first film, and have him this this intimidatingly charismatic character, it's I'm excited for it. And I, I love that there's there's a happy go lucky film and there's also a, like a kind of like what's gonna happen cautiousness for me and a happy one from you. Yeah, there's definitely like um two different tones. Yeah, yeah. Because like I'm like how many times did you watch the trailer? Uh four or five times? I I damn, okay. I only <laughs> saw it I think I only saw it once. Oh it's just the the sound design. You know, it just it's, it just ramps up when they enter the quantum realm, and that that scene always gets me. Like where my future lies, and like beyond, and then they show all the where they're going. Yeah, and Kang's army, I guess I want to say <laughs> Kang's. <laughs> yeah, there's so so I I feel like maybe I would have picked up more on the subtle, you know, darker undertones of it if I watched it more than once. I'm definitely gonna watch it again after we're done recording. We should watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah. Um, that, that I could sense. maybe like sink it in a little bit more. But yeah, like because you said, oh, I could bring them back. Bring who back? Well, yeah. Wait, what's going on? Like, <laughs> and we know that he controls the time stream, right? Right, right. And like, and um, the the one who happened. the one who remains kind of insinuate not insinuate, not kind of like for sure said out there that there's more of him out there and that there's more of him that are dangerous exactly exactly and kang uh, kang is famous uh, don't y'all don't quote me on this but kang is famously someone who was always against the fantastic four yeah and the fantastic four reed richards to have a person with an intellect to match him is already scary because what mm-hmm. if he didn't have any of those morality ties right what 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 things can he do that he that will look completely logical but he committed genocide on a gal- on, i don't know a micro scale i guess at this point not a galactic <laughs> scale but yeah you're absolutely right it's uh and just jonathan major's acting man yeah it and then like also um michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer they, right. they announced that um they have a beacon like a, a basically a location service in the quantum <laughs> realm, it's like, right, right. like, wait, you're you're calling somebody? So yeah, yeah, yeah her terror, right? Like, what yeah, are you afraid of? That's yeah. what they're saying. <laughs> there's definitely like some deep, dark undertones. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think Paul Rudd is gonna kick it? Oh, I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not. I hope I like those, but I don't know if Michelle Pfeiffer or Michael Douglas they might, you know, kick it. As well, yeah, because for looking from an outside point of view, they're not getting any younger, and I don't know how many flips and jumps and you know those acting scenes they have in them. So yeah, they're well within the the zone of being killed off for the next generation. Yeah, especially now, now that they introduced, like they're introducing Ironheart in uh, Wakanda Forever, right? And now they have uh, Paul Rudd's kid in the suit as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they need, the elements are there for the next generation. Exactly. So uh, it's it's we'll, we'll see it again, but just yeah, I don't want Michael Douglas to go either because I love him. 
And just yeah. when he was introducing the first one where they brought in the wife and he punched the dude in the face. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I love you so much. And then Michelle Pfeiffer, I just it took it was so hard to get her back, you know, with uh with Michael Douglas. Like I I've never I never stopped loving you or something like that. Yeah. Where they oh met. So God. yeah, so it's those those two actors are fantastic. But to uh, to maybe yeah, see that would make some impact, wouldn't it? Yeah. Killing, killing off Ant Man and the original Ant Man and the Wasp, and yeah. the movie to introduce Kang. Yeah, I mean it also like makes sense business wise because uh, Paul Rudd has been in two standalone films and he's been in two other, you know, ensemble films. Right. So it makes sense that maybe his contract is running out, five and done. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, and it doesn't seem like. And he's one of the older Avengers, I guess, if you want to call him the Aven- one of the Avengers. Yeah, the second everyone's generation, right? Gone. Yeah, everyone, everyone's pretty much gone, except for Thor. You want to say Thor is still active around the world, but uh, Doctor Strange as well. But the main three, like Iron Man, Cap, maybe Hulk, but Hulk is, is you know, doing his own thing. I would have said Black Widow. Oh, Black, uh, Black Widow as well, and then Hawkeye. But Hawkeye, Hawkeye. I think, feels like retired as well yeah. with... Uh, with Kate Bishop, oh, and then yeah. uh, Yelana, the sister. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's definitely like all the elements are there for like the the OGs to start fading out. Yeah, it's unfortunate because fucking if Paul Rudd is not one charismatic motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Rudd and imagine Lady Lily's uh, chemistry. I love so much. Yeah, yeah. Just when they're making out in the first one. And like Michael Douglas comes and like, well, when did this happen? Like, oh, no, nothing's happening. Oh, and Benjamin's <laughs> character, like, and then he's, and then Paul runs like, yeah, well, well something is kind of happening. And like, <laughs> this is just them going, and then he walks off like, wow, Hope, why'd you have to kiss me like that? And her face, her face is like, it, it feels like an SNL sketch. Yeah, it was like when he when he was driving. Um... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When was it? What's the from character's prison? name? Uh, what I, 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 was it? Louis? Prison, right? Louis. Yeah, from yeah, the prison. Louis. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, Louis. They're driving. He's like, I got a master's in engineering. I'm gonna be fine. And the next shot, welcome to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> can I get, can I get a fruit blast started for you or something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love that in the trailer. He's employee of the of the century. Yeah. Like oh yeah, because now he he gets like some fame, right, for being right. Ant Man. Yeah, and for it's funny basically that, like, the war. <laughs> he says like no matter what I do or who I am I'm always like referred to the same and he's like thank you Spider-Man yeah which I love because I, I remember I was sitting here I love Spider-Man's my favorite hero and I'm kind of liking Ant-Man like what's with me and spiders like bugs yeah. <laughs> so I was just thinking that. so that's yeah, yeah that's definitely it's also like on the running joke where in Civil War when uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon are flying Oh yeah, and uh, Spider Man shows up. Is like there's a spider, there's a spider and Ant Man now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> like everyone has a gimmick. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm everything. definitely excited. Yeah, there's um, I feel like Ant Man just because like a, a character from Marvel that you know I know the basics of. Mm. 
But just the way that they introduced uh, Scott Lang, like uh, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, has won my heart over. Like I'm for he for sure he's one of my favorite of the 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 Avengers in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. He's he's probably one of my favorites in the MCU. Like I love Cap, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Vision, uh, you know, all those characters. But Ant Man, uh, just humor gets me. Like humor always always gets me, and having that character. Who feels like he's a fanboy? Like just when he was introduced in Civil War, like, oh, you're Captain America. I'm shaking your hand too long, <laughs> or something. And just, yeah, and he's like, I know you too. He points at um Scarlet Witch, like, yes, I know you too. But look, Captain America. Yeah, he's like, he wants to grab his arms too. I was like, I would yeah. do that with like Henry Cavill's in front of me. Like, hey, Henry. Oh, I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, fucking Paul Rudd. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Never aging, Time Lord. That. Yeah, that motherfucker with the fountain of youth. <laughs> <sighs> All right. We've gone 143. Not bad, 144. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy Ernesto. Hey. Who does that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said I was going to do one different. You know, I just- <laughs>